Hello, I'm Giuseppe Tipaldo, professor of sociology at the University of Turin, Italy, and this is a bit more complicated, a podcast about the complexity of contemporary societies and all main link to latest news and events. It's a cloudy, fresh day of November, and I'm stealing my flat recording the second episode of the podcast, uh, which is on air for the first time on uh, the 5th of November. So let's start where we left with the first episode. We were talking about the uh, complex interactions between science, uh, media, particularly social media, politics and society and today I would like to dig into the social media part uh, in line with increase in public interest on fake news and misinformation indeed there have been in recent times studies that have tried to describe the phenomenon um, while coming from quite uh, heterogeneous scientific domain like engineering, data science, computer science, social sciences, history and philosophy of science. Uh, most of these contributions focus on network analysis and mostly aim to provide reports on uh, morphology and patterns of dissemination of false information on the internet. In this regard, the position around which the most authoritative studies seem to gather is of an epidemiological matrix, that is, briefly, it promotes a fascinating analogy between the forms of propagation of infectious diseases and those of misinformation, both having the human being among the main vehicles. Within such an interpretative framework, several teams of researchers brought back a phenomenon um, that had been studied more than 50 years ago, the so-called uh, eco-chambers effort. With the expression eco-chambers, today we mean virtual spaces for the production of user-generated content within which the communicative relationships are characterized by a high degree of homophilia in relation to opinions, beliefs, facts, interpretations and visions of the world shared between the interlocutors. The process of consolidation of beliefs is then decisively supported by the type of intelligence that informs current social communication technologies. The most popular platforms for navigation, interaction, use and purchase of content on the web, from Amazon to iTunes, obviously passing through Google, Facebook and Netflix, just to mention a bunch among the many, are designed with the aim of retaining the user and keeping him or her within their proprietary ecosystem for as long as To do this, they simultaneously apply agenda-setting and agenda-cutting strategies, that is, they try to shape the user's cognitive horizon by overexposing them to content, people and products in line with what they like, on the basis of behaviour patterns collected in digital traces just like cookies, and of previous purchase, that is the agenda setting part, and then minimizing the rest or even making it invisible, that is the agenda cutting. As in a sort of filter bubble, 
built ad hoc to reduce by filtering it the enormous amount of information potentially available to each person connected to the internet, machine learning algorithms constantly refined in the time from the indefatigable and free work of billions of individuals take care to show each user only what he might like, leaving everything else out of his or her reach. And what is the problem with this, you may ask? Well, the resulting heterogeneity deficit favors the proliferation of groups held together by strong bonds at the high levels of internal homogeneity, which sociologist Granovetter calls bonding ties. Say that this is an essential glue for the strength of some key institutions of society, such as family units, economic or political organizations, active minorities, and so on and so forth, which can, however, prove to be toxic, opening up to forms of formalism and cyber-balkanization, if not appropriately counterbalanced by bridging ties that is, by connections between members of groups of different nature, for example, between the individual and secondary socialization agencies, such as the school, the organization for which one works, the P group, uh, the mass media themselves. There's at least one more thing I'd like to share with you which is um, uh, what American ethnographer Dana Boyd identifies as the first and most important rule of social media grammar, which is persistence. We must remember that online data are persistent. Um, with persistent, I mean that content produced in a specific context, a given digital space in a, a given time, might persist and pass through a new contexts which are far away in digital space and in time from the original one. No matter what, uh, private images or videos, um, uh, comments about false beliefs, um, news, misinformation, unreliable historical reviews, conspiracy theories, uh, they can stay buried in forums, blogs, archives and social media profiles for quite a long time, but then they, they can be brought to light after a period of time, months or even years, gaining in some cases greater visibility than at the first appearance. Basically, the internet does not forget anything and contains within itself the conditions to revive at any time and with a single click infectious outbreaks that were considered extinct. And finally, the epidemics of fake news, misinformation, online harassment, uh, 
hate speech and all the bad content we might come across on the internet can be unleashed as a consequence of effects of remediation. And I use this expression, taking it from the Bolter and Grezin's work uh, back in 2000, uh, remediation between traditional and new media. The latter, in fact, are increasingly used as sources and no cost with which to enrich the information schedules and programs of televisions and radio broadcasters. When this happens, online interaction receives a vigorous boost, making the issue even more attractive to the generalist media. The increase in visibility and the salience of the news generate, at the end of the process, an eco-chamber's effect of a cross-media type, in which the themes behave like electric motors capable of recharging themselves thanks to the alternation of information between on and offline channels, new and traditional media, but destined to be scrapped at the first sign of decline in public interest. Now let me say in conclusion that if network analysis studies have proved to be particularly useful in describing the how of the fake news phenomenon, uh, little or nothing have so far cleared up in the explanatory and interpretative field. That is, they did not tell us much about the motives that generate the epidemic. And when it comes to motives, it is the firm belief of this podcast it is necessary to take the sociological gaze. Great, we are come to the end of the second episode of A Bit More Complicated, a podcast by Professor Giuseppe Tipaldo from the University of Torino, Italy. I see you all in the next episode. Bye-bye.